Welcome to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and this is the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. Every week I have a different guest. Today we're broadcasting from the Marian Eucharistic Conference at St. Joseph's Catholic School in Greenville, South Carolina, and we're pleased to have Father Bill Casey here. Father is a renowned speaker. He's been on EWTN. Also with his order, the Congregation of Fathers of Mercy, are very active doing parish missions around the country. Father, thank you for joining us here on More Christianity. Great to be here. Father Bill, you're involved with parish missions all across the country. Tell us a little bit more about the Fathers of Mercy and and what God's called you to do. The Fathers of Mercy were founded as the missionaries of France in 1808. Our founder, Father Jean-Baptiste Rosan, was France's greatest preacher in his day. And he was commissioned by Joseph Cardinal Fesch, who was the uncle of Napoleon, Mm -hmm. to bring together an association of actually diocesan priests. His mission was to bring together the best priests, preachers from all over France who could go out throughout the country and preach parish missions and retreats to try to restore the faith of the French people that had been lost during and after the revolution. And that ministry somehow found its way to these shores. It was about uh, 1840 that a new revolutionary government came to power and many of the religious orders, the missionary orders especially, were suppressed. Houses were confiscated, the missions were shut down by the government, and priests were driven into exile. Most of them ended up over here in the French-speaking parts of the new U.S. I lived in England for about 25 years, and there were a good number of the French religious orders who also um, fled to England and found a home there, established houses, and and, uh, continued God's work. So the uh, Fathers of Mercy are active mostly in conducting parish missions across the country. How how many of you are there? We have uh, 28 priests. And most of us are itinerant preachers. Since 1997, when we began keeping an accurate count, uh, the Fathers of Mercy have given more than 2,000 parish missions Mm -hmm. in the U.S. and Canada and Australia. Mm -hmm. So we stay pretty busy. So do priests come to you from being diocesan priests and then step right into your congregation, or do you have a whole system of formation for young men who are coming through? We typically take young men who may have one or two years of college under their belt, and uh, we send them through our novitiate, one year of novitiate for their spiritual formation, and uh, there they come to be familiar with our spirituality, which is essentially Eucharistic and Marian. They study our constitutions, our rule of life, and uh, they study the life of our founder, Father Razan, and they study uh, our apostolate, our founding charism, which is the charism of the itinerant preacher. Do you have a special emphasis in your formation on public speaking, on the techniques of public speaking, or is it just supposed to be a gift? Well, essentially, we think it is a gift, and I always tell the uh, the seminarians, the brothers who are a little nervous about public speaking, that what you have to do to be a really effective speaker is just speak the truth with conviction. From the right. heart. You've got to have good content. Mm-hmm. You've got mm-hmm. to have good sound doctrine and good moral exhortation. But you have to be able to make people believe that you truly believe from the heart that what you are saying is authentically Catholic and truthful. Father, you just mentioned about the need to speak from the heart, the need to speak with authenticity when you're conducting a parish mission. I'm convinced more and more as well that the faith is communicated most effectively as we tell our faith stories from the scriptures, from the lives of the saints, and from our own lives. This is where the theory and the theology, if you like, becomes real. Is this also part of the mission that the Fathers of Mercy have? Oh, definitely. 
This has been proven to me over the years, beyond any shadow of a doubt. Wherever I go, every place that I have been, I have met good Catholics, faithful Catholics, who tell me that they are sick and tired of lukewarm, watered-down Catholicism. And lukewarm, right? watered-down preaching. Deal. That's right. Yes. Uh -huh. yes. Yeah. Interesting point, because I remember that back in the late 90s, Pope John Paul II, during an ad limina visit of the, uh, the American bishops of the North Central States, had made the statement that the greatest obstacle to evangelization in North America is what he called, quote, superficial preaching. Superficial preaching, and very often going along with superficial lives, that we can't actually uh -huh. preach from authenticity, and we can't actually preach a robust gospel unless we're living a robust gospel. You know, I've come to the Catholic faith from Protestant fundamentalism, and one of the strengths in that tradition, of course, is some pretty robust uh, preaching. And I was brought up on a kind of no-compromise Christianity, and I don't mean that in a negative way. The people that I was brought up with were heroes of the faith who, who believed that if you were going to follow Jesus Christ, it was a given that that meant you got up out of your boats, you left your fishing nets, and you followed Jesus Christ, and you lived the life of faith. And that wasn't just for the clergy and the missionaries. That was for everybody. And yeah. one of the things I find in coming into the Catholic faith is that there are just too many people sitting in the pew who have been content with what Monsignor Giussani called polite conformity, going and punching the time clock before Mass and then arriving late, leaving early, and saying, there, that's it. Yeah. And I want to say, folks, that's the minimum. <laughs> it's so much more than that. And so in your parish missions, you and your, your brother priests are out there trying to stoke the fire and stir yeah. the coals a little uh -huh. bit and say, come on, folks, let's move it a, a bit further on. Yeah, and you know, we, we are doing exactly what Pope Francis is now calling us to do in a special way. We're challenging people to answer the call that God has given to each and every one to be men and women of faith, prayer, and devotion. Not just good people, not just nice people. One of the things I find, Father, coming back to the United States after living in England for 25 years was that our, our American culture, especially our suburban culture, it tends to be very glitzy and very glossy. You know, we have a kind of Disneyland mentality. We want everything to be perfect. We want our teeth perfect and our bodies perfect and, and our lives perfect and everything to be shiny and, and wonderful and successful in those superficial terms. This has infected our Catholic faith as well. And yeah. we find that sometimes our, our schools and our parishes and our, our ministries, especially like you and myself, who are out speaking and doing media stuff, it can tend to be superficial and glossy. We need that kind of gutsy authenticity. How do we go back and say, okay, we don't want to condemn anybody, but at the same time, we want to dig deep and get into this authenticity? You know, in so many places that I go, we will challenge people to get back to the basics of the faith, to really examine their consciences, to really reevaluate their relationship with Almighty God. And we're going to talk about the hard truths, the difficult truths of the faith. We're going to preach on things like the reality of personal sin, the need for repentance, the need to get back to confession, the efficacy of the sacrament of penance. We're going to talk about the biblical and historical foundations of our worship, especially the Mass and the Holy Eucharist. We're going to talk about the unity and authority of the Church to establish the divine institution of the Church, the God-given authority the Church has to teach definitively in matters of faith and morals. We're going to teach on Marian devotion. We're going to preach on the power and the priority of prayer. In other words, what we're trying to do is to shake people out of their spiritual mediocrity. Yes. In addition to the work that I'm doing, I'm, of course, also a parish priest. So I'm, I'm the parish of Our Lady of the Rosary Church in Greenville, South Carolina. We just had a parish mission 
And we found the results of that have now already begun to spill over into our life together. Parishioners got together. We had a wonderful meeting in which they said, we need to start a confraternity of the Blessed Rosary. We need to be praying more. Uh, We need to start these other organizations to rejuvenate the spiritual life of the parish and for renewal. So I would encourage our listeners out there to have a parish mission. So I want to ask you, Father, do your requests usually come from pastors or do you find a team of lay people from a parish are approaching you and saying, we really need you to come, or is it a combination? It's a combination, and of course, we can't schedule a parish mission without a direct invitation from a pastor. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, a pastor is taking a recommendation from uh, some good lay people in the parish community or a parish council or a spiritual life committee who maybe have attended a parish mission someplace else or seen something on EWTN or come to a conference like this. That's how they typically come to us. You know, I always remember a quotation from Pope John Paul II. Pope John Paul II said, For the periodic spiritual renewal of the parish community, the traditional parish mission is without substitute. Excellent. You probably heard this joke that the old-timer in the parish was asked what he thought of the parish mission, and he said, Father, he says, before the parish mission, it's always glory be to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and after the parish mission, it's always as it was in the beginning, is now never shall be. (laughs) And so we're preparing for this parish mission. We don't want it to be as it was in the beginning, is now never shall be. One of my favorite talks to give during a parish mission is on the subject of humility, the foundation of all virtue, you know, uh, pride versus humility. We think of Our Lady, we think of her humility and her simplicity. You know, I always say there is nothing complicated even about the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. Mm -hmm. I can explain it so the most fundamental fundamentalists can get it and get it easily. If you just think about it like this, right? God created his own mother. If you could create your own mother, how would you make her? I know how I would make my mother all beautiful, all holy, all pure, all immaculate. Beautiful. So God mm-hmm. made something great happen in Mary. Right. right? The, the greatest event in the history of the world, the incarnation, took place within her virginal womb, and that's something that God intends to be known and understood and honored. Now, in a certain sense, all of us are called to greatness in life. We're called to be humble, but at the same time, we're called to be great. Great, that is, in the sight of heaven. And Mary is the most humble of all of God's creatures. And you think of the life of our Blessed Mother. You think of her words in the Gospel of St. Luke, her Magnificat. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has looked with favor on his lowly servant from this day. All generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for Mm -hmm. me. Holy is his name. What did Our Lady do? She was always acknowledging the great things God had done for her. She didn't try to hide them. She did not try to deny them, but she was always directing everything back to God, always giving God the praise, always giving God the glory. One of the things I've um, commented on in some, some of my writings about the Blessed Mother is this matter of her humility and her simplicity, saying that, you know, that humility is not being a doormat or being obsequious and groveling and and a kind of false humility, which some people associate with religious humility or piety. Instead, her humility was like a morning in May. It was just fresh. It was clear. It was natural. She was exactly who God created her to be. When she went down to the well in the morning in Nazareth for water, I'm sure people didn't say, oh, look, there goes the mother of God. You know, <laughs> She yeah. was just fully human created by God in this special way, in her beauty and her naturalness, just as natural as the sun coming up or water running downhill, just natural and pure. Mm, definitely. How does this yeah, then and- become the heart of mission? 
We have to consider the fact that uh, humility is the foundation of all virtue precisely because there can be no sanctity without humility. There can be no holiness without the humble and contrite heart. You have to recognize the fact, first of all, that all of us are sinners in need of God's mercy. And uh, we have to be humble enough to acknowledge our sins and confess those sins. Humility, of course, is a true recognition of what we are and what we are worth in the eyes of God and in the sight of others. It is that humility that leads to that obedience, that perfect obedience to God's wisdom and will that so marked and characterized the life of our Blessed Mother. And that's what it takes to truly be holiness, because we define holiness as the alignment of the human will with the will of Almighty God. That's what Mary did. Mary's humility. Her perfect obedience to the Father's will reversed the disobedience of Eve and set into motion the event that would make the Paschal mystery a reality. And that humility, as you've said, Father, creates the, the sanctity and the beauty of sanctity, which is therefore attractive, which I feel is at the heart of mission. Let me just share a personal story with you. I came to Greenville, South Carolina as a young man, as a student at Bob Jones University which is not well known as a Catholic school. And, to say the least. And while I was there, I went out and did yard work on a, on a Saturday afternoon for a, an old woman named June Reynolds. And she, I didn't know at the time, was the mother superior of the Poor Clare Convent here in town. And June was a very simple Catholic woman, a Benedictine oblate of St. Anselm's Abbey in Washington. And she radiated this humility and sanctity, which then attracted me and drew me to the Catholic faith. 20 years later, I became a Catholic, and when I went to see her, she was by this time in, in, in a rest home, and she smiled and said, I'm so glad you've become a Catholic, she said. She had this radiant smile, and she said, but we never talked about religion, did we? And I said, no, we didn't need to, because she had the humility that you were talking about rooted in her Catholic faith, which then radiated in a joyful sanctity, which was at the heart of mission. She helped to convert me just by being humble by being herself, by being all that God made her to be. I'm talking with Father Bill Casey. He's a member of the Fathers of Mercy. They go out and do parish missions all across America. Father, thank you for joining us on More Christianity. Have you got a website? Yeah, we do indeed. It is www.fathersofmercy.com. Thank you for listening to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. Stay tuned in the second half of the program today from the Marian Eucharistic Conference. Our guest will be Deacon Harold Sivers. I want to take a moment and remind our listeners about my blog, Standing on My Head. I write about current events, church matters. Go to my blog, read it every day, bookmark it, and come and visit me there. And now back to more Christianity. Welcome back to more Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This is the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. Today we're broadcasting from the Marian Eucharistic Conference at St. Joseph's Catholic School in Greenville, South Carolina. In the second half of the program, we're talking to Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, who's a Catholic evangelist. He is the founder and director of Servant Enterprises. Welcome to More Christianity. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Father. Deacon, you're located in the West Coast in the United States, but you've been telling me that you travel all over America, all over the world, really. Yes. Uh, tell us a bit more about your ministry. I've been a, ordained a deacon for 11 years. And I never really intended to start anything, to travel or speak. As I was preparing for ordination, opportunities to speak locally appeared. And then I got asked to be on the radio. And then I got asked to be on 
Catholic Answers Live, and then Father Mitch, who was my professor in graduate school, heard that program and invited me to be on EWTN Live, and it just kind of took off from there. Now I have my fifth series coming out at EWTN in uh, 2014, and uh, I travel about 100 and, well, this year, 130,000 miles. And you have a wife and children? Yes, and my wife, Colleen, married for 19 years, four beautiful kids, 15, 13, and 10-year-old twins. And how do they cope with dad being away all the time? Well, we talked about that as a family, and I'm actually home more now because I used to have a full-time job mm -hmm. and travel. But I gave up that job last year, and uh, I've been speaking and writing full-time now. And the kids say, well, you're actually home now because now when you're home, you can be home and don't have to go to work. I said, yeah, you're right. You've got a good, what they call, work-life balance. That's right, exactly right. And, and your work is going out speaking, doing parish missions. And uh, what do you find as you go around the United States? I mean, what's the temperature of the church? Are you finding that there's renewal and, and life? Or are you finding that parishes are pretty much kind of a little bit lukewarm and dead? You know, people ask me that all the time. And I would have to say that this younger group of Catholics, I think, are starting to reinvigorate and revitalize the church. Father Mitch in his talk was talking about how seminaries in certain parts of the country are absolutely full to overflowing. Mm -hmm. And I was speaking with Father Donald Calloway and his order, same thing. I mean, he said, he, he said they have guys sleeping on the floor because they don't have enough room for these guys in the seminary. So the younger folks that are coming along now that are, that are staying strong in Catholic faith, are just re it's really exciting to see. Now, the uh, other folks, I think, grew up with really poor catechesis, you know, my age and a little bit older. They want to hear the truth and they're not hearing it. They're just kind of showing up and punching the clock a lot of the times. But there is a hunger and a desire to go deeper in their faith. Father Bill was talking to us in the first half of the program, commenting on the same thing. He's going around doing parish missions. I also go out and do parish missions around the country, and I'm finding that there is a great hunger, a great desire for uh, what Father Bill called a kind of red-blooded Catholicism, uh, the, the fullness of the Catholic faith. And as a convert, I came into the Catholic faith wanting it to be Catholic. Yes. I didn't actually want it to be watered-down Protestantism. I didn't want it to be a religion of good works where we're just going around trying to make the world a better place. I wanted it to be a fully supernatural church of the apostles, the church of the martyrs, and to be part of that and to share that faith with others. And like you, I find that that's what people are hungry for. Let's face it. If we tell everybody that their Catholic faith doesn't really matter— then they're going to treat it like it doesn't really matter. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I've sometimes joked and said for, for 30, 40 years, some people have been saying to Catholics, well, you know, it's not really a mortal sin not to go to Mass. You should just go to Mass if you want to. And so they've heard that and said, right, well, I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so they've walked. And then we wring our hands and say, we don't understand why Mass numbers are going down. It's because we told them it didn't matter to start with. So when you're out on a mission, Deacon, what are some of the subjects that you, you address? I try to give them Catholicism one-on-one. Just give them the basics. Like you talk about the Mass, for example. That's one of my favorite talks, uh, the Mass and Scripture, mm -hmm. where I show in the first part of the talk from the Bible itself where almost every single line of the Mass comes from. Uh -huh. And then talk about the liturgy of the Eucharist and show it, the roots in the, the Bible as well. But the important thing is how do you connect the sacramental life of the church, especially the holy sacrifice of the mass, to your everyday lived experience. Absolutely. I talk to young people all the time who have no clue why they're at mass. They're there because mommy and daddy make them go. Right. But then when they're older, and I, and I ask them, they say, why are you? Well, it's boring. Well, you know, they're, what they're talking about has nothing to do with me. That's the kind of stuff I hear all the time. So 
My job, when I'm talking to men at a men's conference or families at a family conference about the sacraments, confession, the Eucharist, Advent, Lent, no matter what the topic may be, is to always try to connect the faith with the person's everyday lived experience. I couldn't agree more with you, Deacon, about trying to show people that the sacraments of the church, the life of the church, the Catholic life, it's real, it's relevant, and it works. I am uh, helping with our confirmation class in the parish. and talking. I love talking with eighth graders. I've always loved teaching confirmation. One of the things I am stressing with my team is to say, when we're talking about the sacraments, let's by all means talk about the theology. Let's talk about there being form and matter and talk about all those things and make sure they have the facts. That's great. But let's not mistake the facts for the experience. Mm -hmm. Along with the facts, I'm passionate about sharing faith stories with them. And so time and again, when I get up, I'm telling faith stories. Here's how the Eucharist changed somebody. Here's a Eucharistic miracle where somebody was healed. Here's the miracle of anointing where somebody's life was transformed. Here's the reconciliation where somebody turned their life around. Here's a ministering the anointing on a deathbed where people saw angels. You know, and, and to really say this is our connection with heaven. This is our ladder to heaven. Do you, in doing your work, find that this is the same sort of thing which, which connects in faith stories? That's, that's exactly right. As a matter of fact... After I left my job last year to do this full-time, I, I did a, some focus groups at some of the places that I traveled. So in Sydney, Australia, Tampa, Florida, and in Portland, I got young adults, you know, 18, into their 20s and early 30s. And we asked them a series of questions, basically just trying to find out what do they want from the church. And all three groups said a lot of things. But when we mined through the data, all three groups said three of the same things. One of them was they wanted a sense of community. Because I think we do things in the Catholic Church. You have First Communion, Confirmation Prep, and then what? Marriage Prep? There's this huge gap in between. Kids go off to college, and then they necessarily don't come back to the town that they came from, and this is, they have to rebuild community someplace else. So that was one issue. The other issue, they said that they want to hear the truth, and they're not hearing it. They're hearing all these things in the culture. They're hearing nothing from the pulpit. They're hearing really nothing strong from the Catholic Church to counter what they're hearing in the world, and they're, and they're desiring to hear the truth. To be fair, I think a lot of this, when I talk to older Catholics, is that there was a kind of pre-Vatican II Catholicism, which was actually pretty heavy on doing your duty as a Catholic, and it was kind of a heavy burden. I understand that after that, a lot of priests and teachers of the faith moved away to the other extreme of it being kind of touchy-feely, feel-good, what I call puppies and kittens catechesis. And what we're really finding now in the new evangelization is that there's a level in which people are sharing the content, given the facts, but also combining it with a new kind of vitality, a new lived faith, so that these faith stories are relevant and real and people are beginning to say, hey, you know, it is real. God is real and the sacraments are real, the church is real, and I'm glad to be a Catholic. And I think, you know, we had to go through that process to get where we are now. Does it feel that way to you? Yeah, and, and that was actually the third thing that they said was that they want to hear stories. Right. They want to hear, how did you become like you? What makes you the kind of Catholic you are now? Hey, wait a minute. I used to think the same way. You How did you get to be where you are now in your faith? So all those three things, and one of the things I see growing amongst uh, young adults is desire for Eucharistic adoration, Beautiful. which has been just amazing to see. We live in a noisy culture, and in order to listen to God's voice, as St. Benedict says in his rule, he says, in the autumn cordis, in the ear of the heart, is where God speaks to us. So we have to be quiet to listen to that voice. And I think a lot of people are desiring that quietness to get away, to be still, Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. 
That's a, a wonderful way of people listening to God and then responding in the ways that you just talked about to this new evangelization. We're talking today from the Marian Eucharistic Conference in Greenville, South Carolina. This is More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and my guest today is Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. We're so glad to have you on the show today. You spoke about the Eucharist and Eucharistic adoration as being one of the heart issues for the new evangelization, sharing the Catholic faith in a new and, and vital way. The other, which is distinctively Catholic, of course, is the Blessed Mother. My own journey to the Catholic faith from Protestant fundamentalism had as a crucial component coming to grips with the Marian dogmas, but also coming to grips with the Marian devotions of learning to pray the rosary, my own life being transformed by praying the rosary. I, I touched on some of this in my book, Praying the Rosary for Inner Healing. Do you find also that it's this return to Marian devotion and the heart of Marian devotion, which is part of this renewal? There's no question about it. In fact, one of the things I'm going to bring out in my talk this afternoon and I'm focusing on the joyful mysteries particularly. And when you get to the visitation, I think that's the key to evangelization right there. Because here's Mary, who's the monstrous now, and she's traveling to see her kinswoman Elizabeth. That's the Eucharistic procession. That's evangelization. She's taking the word and bringing that word out already. So Jesus, our Lord, who's still a fetus, is already through his mother's evangelizing. But the key is when Elizabeth says, you know, when your greeting reached my ear, the child in my womb leapt for joy. The fact that John the Baptist recognized the presence of God in the voice of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I don't think we take enough time to really reflect on that line of scripture. So you're saying that the infant John the Baptist, who was going to be the, the first evangelist, if you like, that's right, listened a, to the voice of the Blessed Mother and rejoiced and recognized, therefore, her son within her womb. Correct. So that listening to the voice of the Blessed Mother will bring us to the, fo the foot of the cross. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Absolutely. And what's the last words of Mary in Scripture? Do what he tells you. So she points us always back to her son. Right. And so this follows on from what um, Father Bill was saying in the first part of the program, that it's the humility of Mary, it's the example of Mary, it's the life of Mary which leads us to Christ, leads us to her son so that that renewal can take place yeah, in a She's full the greatest way. example of what it means to be human as a woman. <laughs> and this wonderful obedience of faith, you know, listening to the voice of God, trusting in that voice of God and allowing that voice to change her life. She allowed the Holy Spirit to use her to do whatever God wanted to do. And when we do that in our own lives, we can accomplish amazing things because God wants to give us everything. We're the ones holding God back <laughs> by We're, our sin and by our sloth and, well, whatever, you know, with that kind of attitude. But with this new evangelization, I'm hoping it'll open minds and hearts to then receive the Holy Spirit so we can go out and really be witnesses. So here's God saying to us, I want you to have the fullness of life. I want you to have the abundance of life that Christ has given you. And we're sitting around saying, well, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to open our hearts, open our lives to this joyful faith which God has given us. It's been a joy to have you on More Christianity Today. Deacon Harold, where can our listeners find you? Do you have a website? Yeah, they go to uh, Deacon Harold dot com or dynamicdeacon.com. Deaconharold.com. Yeah. Uh, go and learn more about Deacon Harold Sivers, a wonderful <laughs> evangelist spreading the faith all around the United States and the world. Thank you for being here. Honored to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs>